Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at the only colors. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, we should start the episode now. That's how we usually do it. Cool. Okay. Um, Happy great. holidays. Yeah. Happy bull season. At, thank you for correcting yourself. Well, that is the holidays. Right. Oh, of course. We are currently recording this during the. Chirabundi Tart Boca Raton Bowl. Well said. That's how you know it's good. And honestly, I'm kind of disappointed in both of us for doing it during the game. Yeah, it's, I mean, I was watching it earlier. The UAB, the Fighting Joe Webbs. Dude. That, in a bowl game. Yeah. yeah. And not a program three years ago. Right. Literally back from the dead. Good for them. Do you, uh, start with a little story time. Oh. Do you remember uh, the internet website Homestar Runner? I do. Okay, good. I, I don't know what I remember what it was, but I remember. Oh, the me name. neither. But it was great <laughs> content back there with like the Ebaum's World. Oh, I uh, loved Ebaum's World, Co- the original College Humor. Yep, of course. Before I don't even know if it still exists now. I'm not sure. Um, but if you remember um, Homestar Runner, there was a uh, dragon. Oh yeah. Tr- I think it was Trog. Trogdor. Trogdor. The Burninator. The Burninator and. Uh, I believe the better UAB fans yes. have created that as their uh, <laughs> the UAB uh, Trogdor Burninators. Oh, I respect that. Isn't that great? I like that a lot. So most of you are probably saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's fine. but You can't be surprised. It's pretty great. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, College Football Reddit is where I found this. It is an awesome it's a great place. hellhole yes. to drive down. But... Um, that's how we started, but we will. Speaking of bulls, we are going to jump into all the Big Ten bulls today. Indeed, give a little preview: of who's playing, where, why, and who's probably not playing in those games. Mm-hmm. And but before we do that, we had a game over the Green Bay Phoenix Packers. Yeah, and ran some uh, ran over them. Yeah, uh, men's hoops kind of keeps the keeps the train rolling along here. A, a game that I mean. Not surprised that they won by any stretch, but they took down, like you said, the Green Bay Phoenix, a confusing combination of words. Uh, 104-83 on Sunday. Um, I don't really even, this game wasn't even as close as the score would suggest, yeah. and it was a 21-point yeah, twenty-one point, uh, win for MSU. Uh, a lot of, this was a fun game. I mean, like, in, in a lot of different ways. I think we'll do our typical good, bad, weird Um the good 31 assists. Michigan State just continues to share the ball at a an insane rate. That was a really, really strong number. I think it's the most on the season. Um, 
you know, last year that that team shared the ball really well. Um, but this team we've now seen, uh, three or excuse me, four, uh, 25 plus assist games actually had 33 assists against uh, Florida Gulf coast this year. So anytime we're getting above that 30 assist mark that we're in really good shape. Um, but the turnovers at 14, this game getting better, not quite to that 1.6 assist to tur- one turnover ratio on the entire year, but we're closing in. Yeah. So I think that kind of brings up an interesting topic about this game. We're starting the backcourt. Um, Cassius Winston, to nobody's surprise, led the team in assists with 12. <laughs> Man. And then you look at the other side and you have Jeremy Langford. This game was an interesting, like, juxtaposition of the two. Um, Cassius, like, his numbers at first blush, not, like, terribly impressive. He had 16, 12, and 6. That's awesome. Uh, which is, like, very good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, like, not, you know, this incredible number. Only 2 of 5 from the three-point line. Again, you know, I am feel, like, ugly same ugly just fine criticizing that but um he was the way i put it on twitter he's as deep in his bag as he's ever been in this game like this dude was pulling out all of the stops uh you know that he's got like this next level creative point guard mind you've seen it time and time again Mm -hmm. but uh he was really just making all these little sick pocket passes he had the one down low to nick ward that made me literally literally jump out of my chair uh because i was i couldn't believe how nice that pass was and i think you know again despite his percentages maybe not being incredible i guess in this game he even missed a free throw which i couldn't believe um only two turnovers so Cassius doing his part with a six to one assist to turnover ratio in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, his backcourt mate though, uh, Langford, I thought kind of kind of struggled in this one. Um, one of the only players that I really noticeably I thought was out of sorts. I thought he did a great job uh, defensively. He or excuse, me, yeah, I actually did think he did a good job defensively, and he had seven boards. You know, kind of chipped in a couple different uh, areas, four assists even, but. One bugaboo that's been his bugaboo all year uh, is the turnovers. He had five turnovers in this game. Again. And it's it brings up, again, an interesting situation with Lankford. The question, should he ever dribble the ball? The, <laughs> the uh, resounding answer is, is pretty consistently no. Um, but he's going to have to. Like, he's going to get put in these positions time and time again all year. And... Listen, against Green Bay, uh, when you're running up and down the floor, um, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not going to kill you. Obviously, Michigan State won this game by more than 20 points. But in another type of game, like a Louisville, for instance, this this is the type of performance. Five turnovers from the guy who's got the ball in his hands, probably second or at worst third most in the entire team. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be great at some point. Do you remember... Uh... Raymar Morgan's turnover problems where he couldn't take a step. He literally couldn't dribble the ball. Like, he would get it and travel. Yes, I remember. It, it was tough. All too well. Yeah, and we're, we're quickly approaching that that level where you get it and you're like, I hope he either shoots it immediately because he's having a great year statistically shooting or passes it because it's going to go badly. Yeah. But, hey... Um, Hopefully that gets figured out, and that gives we're nitpicking. A little we bit. are so much because they had great games. Uh, otherwise, that is one of the best backcourts in the country that we're criticizing. Yeah, we shouldn't get too mad. And one of the players that 
benefits the most from playing with such a good backcourt specifically his point guard is Nick Ward. Mm-hmm. Nick Ward, I mean, in case you had didn't listen to the broadcast where they talked about it nonstop, Andy Katz really just was hammering at home. Uh, he only missed one shot. He didn't miss a shot until like deep in the second half. Yep. Um, career high 28, had nine boards, four blocks, really played outstanding. Did the type of things you want to see from a junior who is playing against a team without size and is just is really fun to watch Nick Ward this season. I think he's been a player the last two years. You know, his freshman year, you're like, whoa, where did this guy come from last yep. year? You know, kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could tell was visibly frustrated, you know. Because of it, yeah. Because of it. And as such, uh, explored the draft. Um, but this year, you know, being the arguably the focal point of the entire offense, um, he looks like he's just having fun. And he's, yeah. he's flying. He's clearly in the best shape, not to use the, you know, well, colloquialism every announcer uses. But he's he sprints up and down the floor every time. And it leads to things like going 12 or 13 from the field. Well, I think the other piece is to notice how great of hands he has. Incredible hands. Because, you know... It, Having an amazing point guard like Cassius Winston is for naught if you you can't catch those no-look passes because you don't have the basketball awareness to know they're coming. He does, and that was, wow, what a gift, because not everyone possesses that, especially um, dudes with size usually don't have as great awareness. Correct. Uh, so um, a testament to him. Also, as you mentioned, four blocks – unreal right like this is a guy who you wouldn't traditionally think is like our shot blocker no but now he is up to fifth all-time on msu all-time blocks up to 117 um and it will probably be contending for the all-time block uh leader and that's crazy to think and he's only a junior yeah, not not a guy I would have pegged for that. Uh, right, and it's they're more deflections than uh, you know swats. Yeah, and, keep them out of the yeah. I mean, Jaron Jacksons were loud. Right, they, <laughs> and maybe that's why we don't notice them as much yes. because they're just not emphatic. But they they change the game um, quite a bit. And he's like we talked about, he's great hands. He's quick with mm-hmm. his hands too, and that's most of it. Um, the other piece you mentioned, uh, Cassius having twelve assists. I just can't help but talk about how incredible he has been um from a passing standpoint he's up to ninth all-time in msu career assists he passed magic johnson a couple of uh a couple three or four games back um he will very likely be at the end of the year if you know all things go well second all-time in msu career assists after three years and the guys in front of him if you remember if you're a longtime michigan state fan we don't have a lot of guys that uh, take off after three years. Mm-hmm. Or, so these are all guys he's passing who have had four years. Um, those names include Scott Skiles, Denzel Valentine, Eric Snow, Drew Neitzel, Mark Montgomery, Kalen Lucas, Travis Walton. Those are names. Real names. Those are guys that um, played a lot. Played like a lot from freshman year right. through. So just to kind of give context to how amazing he has truly been at passing the ball, putting people in situations to score, it's 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 up there. It definitely gets lost in the – I think it gets easy to forget yeah. how good these guys really are sometimes. It, it's true, and, you know, um, hopefully hopefully we'll, we'll continue. I mean, I don't have no reason to th- why it won't. I mean – Right, and it, it, 
Speaking of some other young players that are playing quite a bit, I think one of the really interesting parts of this game, uh, probably everybody's most interesting takeaway, was just how much time the freshmen got in this game. We alluded to it last week, and you know, far from reading a crystal ball, but uh, this little stretch of games, non-conference, um, very winnable by a lot of points type games, really cupcakes, if you will. Um, this is the freshman's audition time. And mm-hmm. that was this, this past Sunday was their, their first, you know, time on the big stage. And I think there were some clear winners mm-hmm. and there were some, the pecking order became a little clearer, kind of clearer. And, uh, I really only think there was one guy who took a noticeable step back, but let's start with the, the, the positive side of that. So I think you're going to get to foster lawyer who had his first game where he looked um, I guess comfortable the entire time he was on the court. He has shown flashes of being comfortable. He's shown flashes of maybe um, being too passive, which is a normal thing as a freshman point guard. You, mm-hmm. you kind of expect that, um, but he looked comfortable. He played for only seven minutes, but in that time he was extremely efficient. I believe he finished with 10 points and, um, got a, a noticeable rebound in the forest of people got f- fouled. And, and uh, the other point I'll make about getting fouled, he's so small that rarely is that an advantage. Um, he can use it to his advantage and he can't be too proud to use it to his advantage. And when I say that, I mean, he is very, he is the opposite of what happens to Nick Ward. Nick yeah. Ward fouls people for being too big just by simply being um, and, he need foster lawyer needs to be okay with getting fouled. You know, it's okay to get knocked down. You don't have to be too tough. Um, we know you'll get back up. And the reason why it's important is getting other people in foul trouble is, should be one of your goals yes. while you're on the court and getting to the free throw line and getting those free points because he's such a magnificent free throw shooter um, should be another. It doesn't, we don't have to make the degree of difficulty so high. You yeah. can go out there and get fouled and get easy points, get other people in foul trouble, and that is more than doing your job. So um, we saw uh, flashes of that last game. He looked comfortable. And Austin, you were telling me before we started, that performance is exactly what we want in Big Ten play. 100%. And I don't even think, you know, first of all, to your point about getting fouled, like, yeah, just eat it. Like, just be that hustle, dude. Be like, don't be afraid to go into the trees and draw that foul. Like, it, if you get nudged, like you said, he's, he's gonna he can throw his arms in the air. And people will be like, oh my god, he got shot. Now like, we're not oh gonna god. ask for you to Brad Davison. That's no, not what we won't for do. the love of God. But we will say, don't be too proud. No, don't be too proud. Now I think, listen, asking him to score ten points in seven minutes every two, yes. every game is is a lot. However, being confident enough to take two threes, making your free throws when you get there, and, and not turning the ball over. I don't know how you can ask for a whole lot more. Uh, and frankly, the more that he can play, that's just his inherent value. Mm-hmm. The more, like, I'd rather see that minute count higher Stealing in a win than he, he doesn't have to score. He doesn't have to score again all season, to be completely honest with you. If he can just steal eight minutes a game mm-hmm. and keep an offense running competently and keep a defense honest. I think, here we go, we'll do it. The only... The biggest difference between doing, let's say Tum Tum Naren is on this roster right now. Mm-hmm. We put the both of them out there. All Foster Lawyer to me has to do in order to be significantly more valuable on the court is just have the threat 
of of scoring. But That's it. Just be don't do not be afraid to take three pointers. Don't be afraid to get into the lane. And if you can make your free throws, you're already a, a better uh, offensive player. And that the benefits of that. I mean, just remember how frustrating it was to watch Tom Tom. We were playing it, four on playing five. Playing four on five. That does not have to be the case here. And so the flip of that is, unfortunately, uh, Foster is a net negative defender where sure. where uh, Tum Tum, that was a strength. So it's almost a flip. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I'd rather take my chances defensively because the worst that he can do in all likelihood is be over-aggressive and let somebody blow by him and go to the rim. I've got Nick Ward in there. I've got Xavier Tillman in there. I've got long arms. I'm counting on team defense to help me out with Foster Lawyer offensively. Playing four on five is unless you've got yep. Jaron Jackson, well, we Miles two, Bridges. We and, did, and it didn't work. Yeah, well, that's just the point. So yeah. I think his his intrinsic value is A, stealing minutes for that backcourt, be it Langford or Winston, and just being a threat offensively. And I think he took a confident-looking three. He's got to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and I this is a kid that uh, we've raved about him in the past. He's out of high school. <laughs> he shot like 30 times a game. Yeah, and he had the green light because he averaged thirty a game or something. So it's like he's capable, and I understand there's a jump from high school to college. But this kid played in the highest level of AAU ball. He's very ready. Um, so I'm he finally lo- looked it, and he did, and he finally looked it. the The other person who take took probably the largest leap was uh, downtown Bubba Brown, That's right. who is shooting it a hot the hottest streak he's six of nine from three on the year which is especially nice because (laughs) he plays so limited minutes and that's important because when your last shot was 20 to 25 real-time minutes from either the begin warm-ups or halftime it's not easy to go full still and just take a, a pocket three and it's been really impressive to see him walk onto the court and contribute right mm-hmm. away and um, not be a net negative on defense. So big jump from him. Yeah, I think and, – and that kind of brings us to the last two freshmen. Um, we'll start with the – I think we've kind of seen Thomas Kithier's role has been more or less decided. I think we may have known. I think everybody sort of saw that coming in and was maybe only a little surprised by it right off the bat that he got – in terms of like the first couple of games, he got some actual playing time. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, I think his role really is five fouls. And I think maybe the reason he jumped at the front of the line was because that role is something you can do right away. Yeah. Like they never asked him to do more. Whereas with the other four, you know, you're asking him, they're asking all of them to play a specific role, really know a little more of the offense and be a little more accountable um, on both sides of the ball. Um, now, the other freshman, we kind of left Aaron Henry out of this discussion because he's, I think he's solidified himself as part of the rotation, kind of almost no matter what. But he did take a minor step back, at least from a contribution standpoint in the uh, in the points category. We've, sure. we've almost weirdly expected him to, you know, not contribute on the offensive end, but he's certainly never been shy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's averaging uh, over four points a game and three rebounds in, you know, under 15 minutes a game. That's a very... Very good role player as a true freshman. That is what we expect. And it's, you think about, I'm laughing because I'm like, the gap from Miles as a freshman and Jaron oh as a freshman. It's just, that's how good they were. It's just so insane. They're lottery Aaron, Because Aaron Henry is and will be on 
the Big Ten all freshman team. Right? Maybe. Why would he not be? I mean, I I'm know. looking around the league right now, and I've seen other really solid contributors, but he's right there. So, like, that's how big the big of the gap right. I guess I'm getting at is where. Yeah, I mean, this is your t- more typical Michigan State freshman. I mean, historically, yeah. this is the type of guy that Michigan State gets in. You see them grow over the course of the season. I think this game, yeah. One thing I did notice from Henry is he looked a little more passive offensively. Mm-hmm. I think he always brings it defensively, and that kind of gets lost um, on the every you know the, the average viewer, myself included. Um, but this game, you didn't see anything all that special from him. But I think now the most interesting case uh, kind of becomes Marcus Bingham. So, mm-hmm. as you all know, I'm a big Marcus Bingham stan. Uh, he did have three blocks in this game, which I kind of didn't out of nowhere realize. Right? Um, but it is looking more and more, especially after this Gabe Brown performance, like those are the two kind of playing for the ninth spot, maybe even the tenth spot in the rotation. I think the most part, it, it's pretty locked down. I mean, your five yep. starters, I think from here on out, pending injury, you're talking Winston, Langford, McQuaid, Ward, Goins. Those are your five guys. Off the bench, you're bringing Kyle Lawrence, uh, Aaron Henry, and Xavier Tillman. I mean – if you ask me, that's a pretty damn good eight-man rotation. Mm-hmm. That ninth spot probably inherently goes to Foster Lawyer as the backup, maybe even third point guard, depending yeah. on how you want to refer to McQuaid. But there really is space for another player, and because that team, as constructed, is still pretty th- one, two, three heavy. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can shift those guys down if you need to, but truly, the only two real big men in there are um, Tillman and Ward, and I guess Goins as well. But um, there's room for a quote-unquote small ball stretch for. I think Bingham's upside in that role long-term is is he's a natural fit for it to the point where I think he could be a plus starter a year from now. Um, but essentially what that role boils down to, it, to is who can really give us that spacing right now and who can be confident enough to go mm-hmm. out there and perform. And I think in this game you saw a big difference between Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham. Gabe Brown went out there, like you said, and just stroked. Like three three beautiful-looking threes. Gorgeous. No hesitation. He did force one as a bit of a heat mm-hmm. check, and he got his ass chewed by Izzo yep, for can't do that. really funny. But um, Bingham, on the other hand, you know, he, he still looks – he just looks like a baby deer. Like He's still, he's still figuring it out, right? He had that – Kind of that snafu at the free throw line, which was sort of funny, where he, you know, two lane violations, then he made one, didn't know yet another. And I, I'm not saying that can't happen to Gabe Brown, nor that it's something that you should really put a whole lot of stock into. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it it stood out when it comes to the performance of the performances of the two. So I think if you're looking for how this rotation is really going to shake out, I do feel like that top eight is solid. I don't think you're going to yeah. – and I think the starter is completely solid. Um, now, I think uh, that that ninth spot, though – and I think Foster is kind of a game-to-game thing. That ninth spot, tenth spot, I should say, is is has the potential to be really impactful, especially stealing minutes for the true two true bigs. And you know, if one of them gets into foul trouble or stealing minutes for Kenny Goins, both of them bring a little more offensively than Goins does already. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of like skill, but you know, it, it's a big wild card. And I don't think the beautiful thing for Michigan state is that it's not, it, it, it's, 
a all positive wild card. So there's really no way in which it hurts them. So do you remember? I'll bring it back to gosh, I think it was 2012 Michigan State team. You'll have to help me remember. But Tom Izzo was so frustrated because he had such a short bench, mm-hmm. and um, that was the year I think Keebler was getting a lot of minutes. Oh, sure. And to no fault of Keebler's, but Izzo would would routinely turn and look at his bench <laughs> as if to f- try and see someone, like find a body that he would like to put in instead. But those were the guys on the floor. That's all he had. You know, it was a short bench. The bench he did have was not talented. This is the exact opposite. He has a lot of raw talent, yep. guys that he can try out, but are certainly... Um, there are guys that will not play that could be playing, which is which is something that isn't normal. It sure. doesn't happen on a lot of teams where where a guy sh- could be playing but isn't. And that's tough, right? And that's another thing that this team is going to have to um, figure out. I mean, yes, there are they are freshmen that aren't that are going to ultimately not play for the next three months after these two games. How is that going to work? Who is going to make that okay? You know, who is going to step up here and, and, and make sure there's it all works out? That's a, that's a di- different thing to consider. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, to me, it's all really exciting, though. Yeah, no, it's not a... I mean, the, the good news with that is that those top seven, really, even take Aaron Henry out of it, the yep. top seven on this team are at the youngest, you have one sophomore in that group. Yep. That talk about something not a lot of teams can say. That's or bring great. To the table. I mean, that's a ton of veteran experience. And quickly, we'll touch on that before we we look ahead here. But um, I read an article this week talking about something that happened after the, the the game on Sunday, where basically McQuaid took a bad three, and Josh Lank, Michigan State's up twenty five. He wouldn't. He didn't step out on a three. He didn't step out on a three defensively. <clears throat> that's right. And MSU is you know up twenty five thirty points at this point. And instead of writing it off and not worrying about it, Josh Lankford steps up and says, that's bullshit, Quaid, and gets in his grill. And McQuaid mm-hmm. was open about this. Um, that, to me, you hear it every year from Izzo, mm-hmm. every year, where he says, my teams are best when the players are leading the team, and it's not me. And I think you've seen that over the last two years, where you don't have a guy on the floor, despite all the talent in the world. Mm-hmm. You don't have a voice on the floor holding people accountable. Hearing that story, and then also hearing a story about Kyle Arns going to McQuaid and saying, I think you should start, immediately after scoring, like having a huge game against Florida. Winning the game. Yeah, winning the game. That's And coming from a kid who has had so many injuries yep. and is arguably like, I mean, the fact he's performing so well now is, is amazing. But like, Talk about you, earning your spot. A kid you wouldn't blame if he came out and said, hell no, I'm not relinquishing this spot. I'm going to be the one to fight for it. I don't yeah. care who I'm knocking out. Yeah. To go and say that and act like that, I think those two things together tell me a lot about this team. Their flaws are never going to get over at certain points. But combining that plus that raw talent that could bubble to the surface and start forcing some people's hands right now, to me, that's – that makes this team's future, both in this season and seasons moving forward, super, super, super exciting. So I'll pile onto that. Um, more, you know, green green glasses. McQuaid's response to that with to Langford telling him it was bullshit that he didn't give full effort was, you're right, instead of being pissy about it. Mm-hmm. That acknowledging and 
accountability is huge. The other piece is Nick Ward went from a wild card yeah, from a temperament standpoint to a full on, um, a full, a guy that is, that is all in who looks to be all in, who is okay with being criticized, who genuinely seems happy, um, post games, which is, hasn't always been the case. He looks like maybe he like, I don't know if we fell in love with the game or something. So it's just bought in. I mean, I think, I think one of the things you heard from him so far is I think him testing the waters of the NBA might've been the best thing that mm. could have happened to him yeah. because he heard the same things Izzo was saying from somebody else. That's important. He, I mean, you can hear it time and time again from the same person and it sort of loses its, well, it's when you don't hear it from your parents and some, right. like your uncle tells you you're being a dipshit. Right. And I'm like that change. You're like, Oh, I am. Like, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So, exactly. so who knows? I mean, all in all, I, I think we're both extremely excited about, about this team. And, um, so, so yeah. So coming up Oakland, uh, another test for, uh, for all the freshmen, a, a really winnable game. Very winnable. They game. play, uh, this Friday, the 21st. And again, we're going to see an audition from four freshmen, um, outside of Aaron Henry, who are going to be looking to contribute in the rotation. Um, so this is a down year for Greg Campy, one of our favorite coaches in yeah, the NCAA. Uh, well, he's poor. I mean, he's built a program where he's allowed to have down years. That's how you know you've made it as a coach. Yeah. Okay. So they're four and seven on the year. They lost by ten at Xavier. Um, they play at Georgia tonight, actually, the eighteenth. So as of this recording, um, they haven't lost yet. Oh, down to Crean Town. That's right. And then. Um, you know, just overall a down year for the team, but their best players keep an eye on uh, Xavier Hill Mace. Uh, he's eighth in the nation in scoring, averages almost 25 points a game. Pretty good. Yeah, he's, so he's going to get buckets. And then uh, the other guy to watch is uh, Javine Cumberland. He, he'll be hard to miss because he plays almost the entire game um, and is over 44% from three. Um, statistically, this is one of the worst defensive teams in the country. And one of the worst rebounding teams in the country. Those are not things you want to be playing against Michigan State. I would. Sure. S- I'm going to stop you at things you want to be. Yeah. I don't think you want to be that. And then um, they are. But the for the positives, they are near the top ten in the nation in three point percentage as a team. They are shooting over forty percent as a team. That's obviously very good. And they have a dude, Brandon Norris, who is twenty of thirty-three. That's good for sixty-one percent. Sheesh. Yeah. So they got a guy, not quite the level of. Uh, remember the dude? Yes. Oh, come on, help me. Come on, you got it. Uh, There's a guy who attempted zero two-point shots his entire senior year. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's the that's goals, you know. Yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna do this. I'm going to do it. Um, so not quite that level, but also that speaks a lot to Greg Campy being like, go for it. Dude. Fire, dude. Just fire. <laughs> in fact, uh, you're benched if you do take it to yeah, You definitely. know how hard it would be to go an entire year without your foot on the line? Yeah, that actually takes like a significant amount of work. I think about think. that. He, like, so this kid has taken 37 threes and 48 shots. So he's over three to one. Uh threes to twos i like that max hooper oh i remember max hooper meet the max hooper oh god i mean the kid i again i just do not and he made 46 that kid who's not on this team by the way 
he made 46% of his threes. So like, you know that, like, if I know you're only shooting a three, I can be as close to you as I want because you're not going to drive by me because you have this thing in your head where you're not going to take a two. You're not going to mess your stat line up. Huh. And he still made 46%. And it just didn't matter. That's unreal to I me. respect that. I respect like that big time. Also, great last name for a basketball player. Yeah, almost two on the nose for me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Michigan State should be able to walk away with this one pretty handily. Yeah, not as close as the games of the Oakland Pass where we've been holding on to our butts Yeah, many times yeah, against the denzel game where Ooh. we barely beat them. Like uh, It was the K Felder game. Correct? I think that was also the Aaron Harris game who won the game oh, for us. That's right. Mm-hmm. Aaron Harris's game. It was People it. forget he did have one. Yeah. Um, the game. The game, yeah, as in one, one entire game. Um, yeah, so this, I mean, if you're looking for a fun offensive game, this would be the one to tune into. Should be. Um, some other news. So we've been keeping track of, you know, the 2019 class uh, for recruiting, but there's a 2020 target who will be declaring on December 27th the number one player in the state of Michigan for the class of 2020 is point guard Jalen Terry from Flint Beecher. You may remember past Flint Beecher friends like Monte Morris, mm-hmm. who actually went to Iowa State and not coincidentally is likely the number one uh, competitor for his services. Yeah, Iowa State and, and MSU are, are kind of neck and neck here. Um, it, I, I think this is the perfect example of uh, – the Flint connection paying dividends. Michigan State is widely expected to be the place that he calls home. Uh, he visited last weekend and, you know, apparently just absolutely fell in love uh, or remained in love. I don't know how you want to put it, but this is the Flint dividend, I think, uh, kind of paying, or Flint, Flint connection kind of paying dividends. Maybe uh, if you want to call it the Miles Bridges effect, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is a big get. Always get it. I mean, listen, it's, it's still a year and a half away. A lot can change. New players can emerge, but like, from the reading and, and things that I've done about Terry, kind of the theme is that like this is going to be a high riser. Like this will remain the number one player in the state, and this kid will jump up the rankings because he is just electric. Uh, apparently, a very good on-ball defender. Not huge, only listed at five eleven, which means who knows how tall he actually is. But apparently, a, a very good defender. Um, uh, electric is the word I keep seeing uh, with the ball in his hands. Um, very, very quick. One of the quickest point guards in the country. Um, good thing on the whole size front is that he's also like 16 years old. So good chance he could grow a couple inches in a couple of years. See, crazier things have happened. Um, but keeping the number one kid in state, uh, if Michigan State is able to do so, is always a very good thing, especially when there's a damn good program with a lot of success to sell right down the street. So um, got to love hopefully keeping keeping him around. And, and you know, this is early right now for basketball commits. So locking in a player like Terry would be a big win for Michigan State. Well, and then it, it also locks in such an important position, the true yes. point guard position. So now you have Cassius Winston, junior, foster lawyer, freshman, this kid, junior in high school. So it's that continues the tutelage mm-hmm. and passing of the torch. Well, and you've got another ball handler in Rocket Watts who's going to be a freshman next year. Too. Very true. So your, your, your backcourt's looking pretty damn set. So <laughs> it's certainly, uh, we're not, you know, counting our chickens for the hatch, but, uh, no, but signs are, signs are good. So twelve twenty seven. um, we may be potting before that, but we mm-hmm. will keep our eyes on that. Um, another big signage took place, but not in men's basketball. Actually the, uh, the football still happening. Still is. So if you remember, and brace for it because I 
going to trigger some people. We had signed one of the top quarterbacks in the country, in Dwan Mathis, and we were feeling pretty good about ourselves. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then uh, old Herbs Meyer mm. came a calling. Remember him? From past. He smiled before. He'll keep smiling. I don't know if you saw those graphics. You may remember him from past episodes like the 2013 Big Ten Championship game. Mm. Or, sad Pizza Man. Or the two starring as sad, <laughs> sad Pizza Man. Or in 2015 at the Horseshoe versus Michigan State as mm. the forgot my best player was on my team man yeah, in Ezekiel the, Elliott. The, the ball passer. <laughs> so um, he took our best recruit. Almost one of them. One of them. One of them, and, which is a bummer, which put Michigan State in a mad scramble for a quarterback for the class. And it's – Austin, you can talk about how important it is to have a quarterback in almost every class. Yeah, I mean, I think whether they hit or not, having uh, – Michigan State has always liked to take one quarterback in every class. Now, we've seen a handful of them transfer like we did with Messiah DeWeaver. National um, champion De- Messiah Nash- DeWeaver. Yes, that's right. Just won the uh, junior college championship. Sure did. With, Eastern Mississippi? Eastern Mississippi Community College. That's Heck right. yeah. Um, where they filmed that Netflix show. They did. It was pretty good. It's a shame he wasn't there for that. But either way, uh, Michigan State recently, like you said, uh, flipped quarterback Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne. From Illinois. And uh, near us, Naperville. Yeah, right up the road. Um, just outside of Chicago. Uh, not the first... Uh, Chicago Suburbanite, Michigan State has signed the Allen brothers from here, Raekwon Williams, uh, among others. Panashooks. Uh, the Panashooks, yep, both from here. So um, a lot of a lot of Illinois talent coming to, to East Lansing uh, in the last couple of years. So um, Thorne, three-year starter in 8A in Illinois. Which, which is the largest the, class. The largest class. Uh, he had 7,000 yards passing, 83 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards rushing, uh, and 14 rushing touchdowns, and completed almost over 63% of his passes. Um, did Michigan State flipped him from Western. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, I have a hard time with Michigan State quarterback recruits getting caught up in stars because really look at the ones who have been great. And you're looking at Kirk Cousins. You're looking at uh, Connor Cook. You're looking at even Brian Lewerke for a year. We'll see where that goes. But uh, Brian Hoyer, none of them all that highly recruited or highly rated. Um, the guys they beat out, Keith Nickel, Damian Terry, mm-hmm. uh, Messiah Dweaver, you know, arguably the stars of each of their recruiting classes. Good so um, what I get excited about is when Michigan State coaches see a quarterback that they want and they go get him and they tell him they want him and he wants to be there. Um, it it would have been great to have Mathis, although I hear from what I've been reading, uh, he might be looking around as well. Here. Oh. So um, now that Justin Fields is transferring from Georgia, mm. the five-star quarterback is apparently interested in Ohio Shock, State. Shocker, though, say, by Well, the I mean, Duan decommitted at least twice in his process, so I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up somewhere else. I want nothing but the best for the kid, but either way, if you know this guy wants to be here, he's from a recruiting hotbed. Uh, he's put up some successful numbers at a huge division in, in a state with pretty decent high school football. Um, looks like a pretty good player. Uh, so it's exciting to, to land a quarterback, obviously, like – Especially this late in the process, being able to cash in on one is 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 a big deal. So, do you want a? So yeah, thank you for wrapping that, putting that a bow on that. Um, we will 
not see him for quite a while. It's going to be like 2021 until you even get a whiff of him. So, that said, are you ready for a galactic galaxy brain take? Oh, yes. Okay. As always. In 2019, your starting quarterback will be Messiah Dewey. <laughs> Transfers wow. back after either after Rocky Lombardi transfers away after Ooh. losing the job to Brian Lewerke, wow, which allows Messiah DeWeaver to start as he thought <laughs> for the next two years. Wow. Wow. You think, okay. So no, I don't think that'll happen. No, it won't happen. Walk me through this. Lewerke wins the job, so Rocky transfers and Messiah comes in. Yes. And red shirts. No, can't redshirt. Can't. Just is there. There. Yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> no. I, I couldn't be more in. And wins over the oh. job over <laughs> Brian Lewerke. Okay. So and, he literally just jumps right back into the same situation he left. But starts. Yeah. Because sure. he's got a natty now. I'm in. And he flashes that ring at everybody. I'm in. And Mark D'Antonio is like, damn. And our new <laughs> offensive coordinator, who's not Dave Warner, Ooh. is like, oh, shit. You want a galaxy brain? Yeah. We hire Buddy Stevens, the Whoa. head coach of EMCC, as our offensive coordinator. Wow, yeah. Okay, and then he's like, yo, I got yeah. a bunch of other guys, too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want all these other kids that got kickoff teams? And then <laughs> and then Last Chance U comes to Michigan State. Oh, yeah. We're getting too far. Yeah, we're way too far. But, I don't uh, know if I like that brand. But. It's a dumb idea. It's a d- <laughs> okay. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Speaking of Messiah leading us to a national championship. There is a national championship uh, semifinal game coming up. Hold on. What's up? Before we move on, uh-huh. there is a Michigan State Spartan who is declared for the NFL. Um, I don't want to talk yeah. about it. No, we have to briefly talk about it. Um, Justin Lane, cornerback extraordinaire, uh, has declared for the NFL. Uh, I believe he's already planning on signing an agent. So Good for him. I'm pretty sure he's gone. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's... Sad. I wouldn't even say it's bittersweet because, no, like, man. frankly, this guy is. Uh, listen, Justin Lane. It, Michigan State's had a lot of really good corners. Yeah, man. I don't think he ends up getting drafted necessarily in the same range as a Dark West Denard. Certainly not a Trey Wayne's who went in the top, you know, twelve or whatever it was, ten. Um, but I think this guy. When you look at truly who he could end up being, the best Michigan State defensive back though, at the NFL level. So. You know what he does guarantee by going pro? Keeps the streak alive for Michigan sure State. Sure does. For Keeps that draft streak alive. Players drafted. If you're unfamiliar, Michigan State, I believe, has the second longest uh, draft streak that spans over 60 years or so. Yeah. Um, I think he's not only going to break that streak, but I think he's going to do it relatively keep it early. No, right. I think he's going to extend the streak and, and do it fairly early. Like, I, I think yeah. that this – like. It, he so one of the things that people forget about Justin Lane, or maybe don't forget at all, he was recruited as a receiver, obviously, and was one of the fast. I think he was actually the fastest player on the team in camp more than one time. Ran like yep. you know, flirting with the four twos. Like this dude was a big time track athlete in high school. Um, he's got the speed to play in the NFL, no question. Uh, he's got the frame or the the build, I should say, at, at easy, a smooth six two, long mm-hmm. arms. Uh, which is in vogue in the NFL, especially with all these big athletes. Like being large humans is in. Yep, being big, it's a, it's in. It's new. It's hot. <laughs> um, it's the trend. Uh, it's in bluish. 
Uh, it's <laughs> was yeah. that a Parks I'll, I'll and Rec? That was Parks and Rec. Yeah, oh, you're, okay. you're welcome. Um, being tall, the next thing. Um, anyways, do you want to help you out here? I think he's going to get drafted in like the second round. Well, I mean, he has a, he has great upside, and the reason why is he may get drafted so high as there's a blueprint for him. The blueprint being Tony Lippett. The blueprint being the other corners that have made it. Keep to leave. I mean, you're, there's tons of tall. But I just specifically. Michigan State. Well, the other part, yeah, and what plays in his favor too is he's coming from a school that has had success. He's not thriving independent of his team or his program. He's coming from a program that's put a lot of guys, especially at his position, several players in the league that have done well. Um, he's He's got the build. He's got the attitude. He's played through some really tough times. And, I mean, he was getting picked on a lot this year. When Josiah Scott was out, uh, especially actually when Josiah Scott came back too, they were throwing the ball at him a lot, and yet he gave up something like under a yard of play this year. Under He's one of the highest graded PFF players in the country, point seven four yards of play, which is go. incredible. Yeah, so best of luck to Justin. I hope he. I mean, I know we both do. Everybody in Spartan Nation should uh, hope that he represents us well at the next level, and and just you know just don't get drafted by the Lions. It's the that's the goal, right? So let's try this college football playoff yeah. thing again. How about some teams that are better than the Lions? Ooh. <laughs> Clemson takes on Notre Dame. Clemson, 11-ish point favorite right now. Um, you you were feeling like you needed to hammer Clemson here. Yeah. Uh, I And that's not because you're biased against Notre Dame. No, it's not. I have... Uh... Yeah, no, I'm not biased against Notre Dame at all. I actually kind of don't. I kind of sneaky like Notre Dame a little bit. Weird thing to say. Keep it's going. Weird to say, but it's fine. They're they're cool, I guess. I don't know. They have nope. good helmets and nothing else. But anyways, this game, I think they're going to get smoked. I think, and it's not a really, it's not even really their fault. Like it to me in this one, it's it's just that Clemson's so damn good and. The ultimate downfall for me for Notre Dame, like, listen, I think Notre Dame's defense might actually keep Clemson, like, somewhat bottled up. I really do. Their front seven, call it, mm-hmm. um, Devon Coney, Khalid Kareem, uh, Okwara, they have some dudes up So front, many and they guys. they can get after, like, very good players. You saw them play good teams this year uh, and really get after it and change games by getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see why they can't apply some pressure to Trevor Lawrence and he is still a true freshman. Weird. He's been really, really good and has never I don't think he's looked like a true freshman once this season. But um you can fluster him. This is still a huge stage. No matter who you are, if yep. you're eighteen years old and you get put in this playing against a even if it's just a brand like Notre Dame under those lights, like this is a big deal. Where I think it falls apart for Notre Dame is um offensively. They've got some big wideouts They've been effective running the ball this year. I, I don't think – I'm just not sure they're going to really be able to score on that defense of Clemson's. You talk about Notre Dame's front seven being good. Clemson's is on a whole different plane. Now, Clemson's is one of the best you'll ever see. I mean, that front four, was it, Clellan Farrell, um, I'm not, Christian Wilkins. They've got another – Austin Bryant, and they've got another defensive end. I can't remember who the other defensive end is. Well, three top. are currently projected to be drafted in the first Dexter round. Lawrence. I mean, they, they have studs up and down that defensive line. Um, and the backups, by the way, a bunch of five-star recruits. It's funny to me when you think of recruiting, you think, oh, it's it's Bama. Clemson is yeah, they're right number there. one or two in like each of the last five classes. They are getting the same caliber of talent. 
that Alabama's getting. It's just – and really, what's the difference between the two in the last couple of years? Clemson's got a national championship. They beat Bama head-to-head. Um, they've made the playoff the last four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a damn – this is as good a program as Alabama's in the current moment. Again, I don't really think this is Notre Dame's fault in this one, personally. I think Ian Book is scrappy enough and – you know, might be able to make some big plays, and maybe I'm just underrating Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think Clemson's a little too good. And, and in a lot of ways, Clemson's been here. Yes. Literally every player on this roster that's not a true freshman has been to the playoff. The only hope for me, I guess, for Notre Dame, if I were a Notre Dame fan, is that you just hit it on the head. Everyone that besides a true freshman has played in this. Fortunately for Notre Dame, a true freshman touches the ball the most yep, for 100%. Clemson. So that's like the only thing you have going for you is he just bombs. I, I mean, do you think there's a world in which them being to the playoff before is like, like, do you think because they've been here so often they can get caught looking ahead? To Bama? Sure. Sure. I mean, we've all, as crazy as that is. No, I mean, sure. I mean, we've been since the beginning of the year saying this is all kind of a formality until Clemson plays Bama. So, yeah, I can totally see that. Um, and the other side of the bracket, we have Alabama taking on your Heisman winner, Kyler Murray. That's right. Some other news took place, um, Big Ten related. Alabama's offensive coordinator, um, had, Mike Loxley, has taken the Maryland job. Mm-hmm. A Big Ten East team. Seems like a great hire. He, uh, keep your eye out on this, there are three of the top seven players in Maryland have all committed to Alabama. Mm. I'm going to guess that he flips all of them. All of them? Well, he was the recruiter for all of them. Yeah. So if only that's like, hey, man, you'll start like tomorrow. <laughs> like, You're already starting. Yeah, I mean. You're literally right. Now. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. Right. Like, You'd be like, I get it. Yeah. But. I, I mean, yeah, you're coming into a garb program, but yeah. like, whatever. But you play It's now. home. Yeah. It's in Maryland. True. So, c- keeping the Big Ten connection going, because Mike Loxley is out, promoted to the offensive coordinator position is one, Dan Enos? <laughs> Record scratch. Yeah. You're probably wondering how I got yeah. here. <laughs> Since being fired, essentially, from Michigan State, finding his way to Nick Saban's right-hand man. I mean, what a what a road from from MSU to Central to Arkansas to almost Michigan. By the way, fired. Yeah, wait, let's let's do the path. Pushed out essentially from Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Somehow Central makes the worst hiring in a while. Yeah, hires Danny Nuss as their head coach. That fails. Didn't go great. He's fired. Is picked up by Burt Belima. Awesome. To be his offensive coordinator at Arkansas. Burt fired. Offense, terrible there. He then goes and gets hired by Jim Harbaugh, but only (laughs) does it for two days because it it breaks his clause in the SEC, which said he can't sign with another SEC team. He doesn't even fly into Ann Arbor. He basically goes straight to Tuscaloosa, tells Jim to go F off, and he got hired by Saban to be the passing coordinator. For Is Alabama, that how he got around the clause. Yeah, he had to sign with another school oh. with oh. a non-SEC <laughs> school, and then the contract was broken. Oh my God, that's awesome! Or not broke. The contract was then you know done. Yeah, he's with another school, and then he can be signed with another. He's like the ultimate Spartan. Like I remember when that we, did we had a, a pod a, when that happened. We struggled we were, with that. Well, we were. I was 
questioning whether he could ever show his face in East Lansing. And we said no. Right, but now it's it's just like it's complete one eighty ultimate troll. I mean, he literally used I'd like Jim to, Harbaugh. I like to think, by the way, while Threw he a was all at him and walked out. I like to think, by the way, he downloaded a few playbooks and shot him off the mark yeah. before he walked out the door. Right? Oh, by the way, Jim, keep your khaki pants. <laughs> so now he somehow finds himself as the offensive coordinator in a college football playoff championship, or you know, the playoff and. In, in the best way, so this all takes place, and, and my head's spinning. And I think the best quote I have is the text message I got from my buddy who said, and I just want to read it. Dan Enos has found his way to the offensive coordinator job at Bama, and we're stuck with Dave Warner and our dick in our hands. And <laughs> <laughs> that feels... How do these things happen? That's how the, that is how I feel right now. What are we doing? Well, okay, so here's a question. Is that Oklahoma's only chance? Yes. <laughs> Unequivocally, yes. <laughs> and even with that, they're screwed. They have the yeah. Heisman winner, and they don't, in my opinion, have a shot. Is it, that nuts? It, it, no, because no, it's Bama. But just like say that sentence. No, I know. I, I get it. Man. Well, first of all, I think Kyler Murray winning the Heisman, I mean, the fate was, the door was literally like 1% open, mm-hmm. and that just slammed it shut. Because the Heisman winner never wins a national championship. I guess that's true. Yeah. So if Has you it, if you need, I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I don't want to look it up. Jason White, Oklahoma, 2002, maybe. Okay. So let's go 20 years. In the yeah. Past to find the latest example. I think that might not the even point be true. Is, the point okay. is, if you were looking for yet another reason to just assume they're going to lose, that's it. Um, Tua Mad. Who starts for Alabama? I mean, it's two. I. Do, who cares? It doesn't matter. They've literally both won national championships. It doesn't right. matter. So who do you feel here? I've got a oh couple. I got one Bama Hit question. Me. Like, if you're a Georgia football pan, fan, what's the point? Oh yeah, and, you, and I mean that applying to life. Like, what, mm-hmm. this, like why, 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 why? How can you go? How can you go on? At least, I'm trying to find this. Give me a second, man. So. You're referring to the SEC championship. I'm referring to the fact that they have had the starting quarterback. They've been beating Alabama soundly twice. I believe for in the past two games, I believe it was they've been ahead of, in both games for all of three minutes. Tied or ahead. Yeah. In all of three minutes. Okay. Of two games. In the starting quarterback for Alabama goes out. Both times you're like, first time he gets benched, second time the other guy gets hurt. And you're thinking at that moment, wow, this is it. Like, all we have to do is just be us and keep doing what we're doing and we're going to be fine. And not only does that not happen, but you get your heart absolutely ripped out of your chest. You're caught so flat-footed both times. I mean, the audacity of Tua coming in in the second half of the national championship game is That's absurd. understandably. But this one... You literally have the game plan for Jalen Hurts. You did this game plan. It, you won. One, you, one year ago. No, you did it, and you were beating them. And you won. And then this time, you choked so hard. Like, I, don't, I just don't know. And, like, Georgia has right now, I don't know, the third best football program in America? Yes. You know? And roster top to bottom is every bit as good as the other two? Correct. And yet, it feels so hopeless. It's dumb. That's devastating. I'm feeling... By the way. Broken thinking. And they just lost their five-star yep, backup. Justin Fields now transferring. That's not a problem. They're going to be fine. But still. But talk to, about spe- to specifically talk about this game real quick, 
Um, I think Oklahoma might score a little bit. I think they might put up like 30-something points. But I think they're going to give up, I don't know, somewhere around 85. <laughs> because they have the, the worst the worst, the worst, worst defense I've ever seen in my life. I honestly, I, I cannot wait to gleefully giggle through someone scoring 80 points in this It's going to be great. I mean, like, I'm not sure Oklahoma will make a tackle. Like, they're horrendous. They're a horrendous defensive team. I don't know how they're so bad. Because it's the Big 12. It doesn't matter. I mean, I it's, know. you know what the weirdest part for me about it yeah. is when I look at them, they don't even look like Power 5 players. Like, their <laughs> linebackers are like you and me. It's it, <laughs> it's what they look like to me. I'm like, I don't get... Like, you're Oklahoma. Like, shouldn't you have... You should at least get off the bus looking good. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And their secondary is awful. Their defensive line is, like, decent. I, I don't even get but I look at them, I see a MAC team. I'm like, oh, this is, like, a decent MAC unit. And then I'm like, wait a minute. You play for Oklahoma. So do you, like, split time between Tua and Jalen? Sure, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing both. It doesn't matter. I want the third string to play. It doesn't matter. In the it, semifinal. I would, I would love that. I would love to see that. Who's a walk-on? Is AJ McCarron walking around somewhere? I know he's got a sushi restaurant there, so maybe he's, like, in Where? In Tuscaloosa? They you do not eat that? sushi there. They shouldn't. Now, whatever you would ca- ca- catching around there, I wouldn't eat it. <laughs> what is that? Why is he like you don't this? Know is... about this? No, it's it... called Asian sushi. It's, it's spelled A J I A N. Go ahead. No, go. thank you. I'll pass. Yeah, it's a thing. All right. To answer your question on the last Heisman winning quarterback to win the national championship, I had to look. Jameis Winston. Oh, J Boo. And then uh, prior to that, uh, Cam Newton. Okay, so it happens from time to time. A couple times. Yeah. Sure. Don't care. I throw it up. My, Matt Liner. Whatever. <laughs> okay. So I'm choosing to believe what I said. I and me too. Okay. Okay. Other so, bowls. So other bowls are happening. Uh, well, we're just going to focus on the Big Ten because there's just so many. Uh, let's start just in chronological order. Uh, the first one, the Gophers slide into that final mm, Big Ten spot slide. after upsetting Wisconsin. Slide in, in like Chris Collinsworth. Oh, yeah. nice. That's right. <laughs> PJ Fleck has them ghosts bowling, taking on the triple option attack, Georgia Tech. Oof. And that is in the quick lane bowl there in Detroit. If you are mm-hmm. listening in Detroit, sure, do it. Yeah. Uh, also, or don't. this will always be the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl in my heart. Fat. Or Motor City Bowl. Mm, well, I mean, really, probably Motor City. But I, I choose to live in a world where the Pizza Bowl is still a thing. Why don't we just give it all the names that it's ever been? The Quick Lane Pizza Motor City Bowl. I'm sure there's more. Uh, Georgia Tech is a four-point favorite in this. Who you got? Uh, I mean, I'll take, I'll take. You know what? I'll take PJ Fleck. I think Georgia Tech's probably the better team. Yeah, but they did fire Paul Johnson, mm. and I feel like for some reason PJ Flex had a triple option stopping defense like scoped out since he was like 13. Like I just feel like he's that kind of guy. He's like never he's had a been, chance to he, use it. He saw this and was just so fired up. Or that or they're going to lose by 100. It's, there's really no in between. Okay. But I'll go with the I'll go with the Ghosts. And like all two dozen people that are going to go both people that are going to be there. there, man. If you're traveling from Atlanta to Detroit Mm. the day after Christmas mm. to watch the Yellow Jackets play. I mean, sit down, Just friend. Just come and find me. Sit down, friend. First of all, seek help. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I am 
You'll be there. I've never been more impressed with a human being's dedication. No, I will absolutely not be at this game. No, 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 but you'll be in Detroit. I will. And I am going to say for you, Austin will buy you, Georgia Tech fan, a beer. I'll buy you a Coney Dog. If A Coney Dog. If you... All you have to do is at AC Smith 06. AC Smith 06, yes. And, and list I will Venmo you. Friends? I will Venmo you the amount of one Coney dog. If at, you can prove to me you went to Georgia Tech and will be in Detroit for this game. Friends, listeners, pass this along. Yeah, that's a that's a promise. Okay. The, Great. The Pinstripe Bowl mm. in New York City, Wisconsin takes on Miami. Man, that's rough. Uh, December 27th. So I believe... Uh, well, um, Miami is a four-point favorite. This Wisconsin was a... Austin is shaking his head in disgust. Uh, Wisconsin went from playoff contender at the beginning of the year to a four-point dog in New York City in December 27th. It is funny. What a good sentence. Oh, Whoa. man, I am enjoying that. And Miami sucks, by the way. Neither of these teams. Are no, favorite. I know, but this isn't even like a. How is Miami a favorite in this game? I mean, I get it. Wisconsin's because Wisconsin also sucks. But Wisconsin. Okay, I'm just saying based on if you're betting Miami in this game, you're an idiot. Miami is not going to go to New York. Yeah. A cold weather city, in mm. case you didn't know. Mm. From yeah, they're not going from Coral Gables to the friggin' Bronx and winning a game in December. I'm sorry against Wisconsin. I don't care how shitty Wisconsin is. I'm okay. not picking. I'm with you. Okay, so here's a here's your prop bet. More fans that show up to the game. Ooh. Miami to New York City or Georgia Tech to Detroit. I'm gonna say Miami to New York City because you've probably got so many bands. Do they have to have traveled? Yes, because I can see where you're going with this, and yeah, I want. I'll to- still say Miami only because it's New York instead of Detroit, but I they're gonna be neck and neck. Okay. Moving along. Oh, boy. Yeah. The Music City Bowl, not to be confused with the Motor City Bowl. Of course. Uh, Purdue, uh, rejuvenated after signing Jeff Brom. Yeah. Second straight offseason, you get Jeff Brom as your coach. How about that? Attaboy, Purdue. Good (laughs) Good for you. Um, Taking on another really disappointing team in Auburn. Boy. uh, December 28th. Purdue, a four and a half, three and a half point dog, I think, right now to Auburn. Keep in mind, Purdue. Not good. No. I want everyone to remember. Not good at either sport. And here's and here's why the line started at four and a half, and it's you know going trending towards Purdue, is because Purdue fans are so excited that they forgot their team's bad. Right? Is that that's true? Yeah. I mean, Auburn will win this game by at least. Well, here's the thing. I think Auburn should win this game by twenty-one. They're better. I mean, if you put this matchup on paper at the beginning of the year, it'd be soaked in blood. It's just a bloodbath. Dude, I rewatched the, you know, on Big Ten Network has the games in 60. I rewatched the Ohio State-Purdue game. I don't know how Purdue won by that much. I don't understand. Rondale Moore. I, even with him, I don't understand. You know what, though? Watch this game for Rondale Moore. Because oh, yeah. he is a guy that can line up with anyone in the country and bowl. I, I just think this is a game... Ron Delmore excluded. This is a game where it's just too much SEC athletic, just, just too much big time athleticism for Purdue to keep up. Okay, and so you want it opens my bookie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, moving on to the next game, December 29th, Michigan takes on Florida for the third straight year. Um, no, not true. 
Okay. They played South Carolina last year and lost. That's why I remember that one. Okay. But like third time in four years, whatever it is. No Either corrections way, necessary. It's going to be horrible. Michigan is the favorite, the first favorite we've had on the list so far. Uh, over a touchdown favorite, both teams, bad, doesn't matter. Um, but what do you think, though? This is going to be an ugly game. These are two teams that are horrible to Who watch does, offensively. So here's a question. Who does um, Jim McElwain assist in this game, Michigan or Florida, when he's called by both? No, he's going to the aquarium. That's where he's going. His, there it his, is. His happy place. The Mount Pleasant Aquarium. That's right. Where he was hired as the head football coach oh. at Central Michigan University no, most he's going, recently. He's like, I can't, I can't be conflicted here. I'm going to the aquarium. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Are you going to take the under on this one is what I'm hearing or what? Uh, well, it depends on the line. But, yeah, I mean, I think neither of these teams are good offensive teams. Michigan always just did enough to get by. I think that they're probably playing the – Second best defense they'll have faced all year in Florida. Florida, Florida had a, I mean, listen, the SEC offenses weren't great this year, but they got a real deal defense. And they got some very good defensive linemen. Uh, Jalakai Polite uh, is probably a top 10, 15 projected pick right now. Um, it's, a, it's a team. I mean, they held some good teams down uh, defensively this year. Beat LSU, I think. It's, a, it's not a bad team. And Michigan, I mean, they're good. They're, their defense is really good, but they're not going to have Rashawn Gary. It's they true. might not have either starting cornerback. It's uh, true. Hill and um, I can't remember the other one is, but I think Long. They, yeah, David Long both might go. I mean, yeah, it all kind of depends for Michigan on on who's playing. I mean, Aubrey Solomon, their defensive tackle just transferred. He's their third defensive tackle. Um, although he might be a little further down, and not, next year he was supposed to be their third. But yeah, I mean, the question you have to ask yourself here is if you're Michigan. Mm-hmm. How in the world are you motivated to play this game? Hmm. Seriously. Well, they I, lost I, South Carolina the same way. Well, that's what I mean. I don't know how, but this is even harder. Like, like to me, this is a, this is a test of yeah. Jim, Jim Harbaugh more than anybody else. Can you get your team excited to play a game against a school you've played two of the last three years before this one? Uh, no, that's not true. But It's yeah, not? No. What is it, three of the last five or something like that? That uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, whatever. They seems like they play them every year. Um, they, uh, either way, it's not like the current class of the SEC. You were so close to, you know, your ultimate goal uh, of making the playoff, and I don't think there's any doubt that had they beaten Ohio State, they would have smacked Northwestern, they would have gotten in. And how do you bounce back from that? Because there, that wasn't just a close loss that you're like, God, we need to get that taste out of our mouths. This mm-hmm. is a, we got our, asses handed to us in a game and we didn't even we didn't even show up like can you get your team excited i think if michigan is is fired up and ready to go they should win this game they should win it they should probably cover um because florida's offense is not very good they run the ball really well but that i mean felipe franks is not very good you know why we thought they played them so often is because they michigan played them like two years ago to open the season ah okay they play, yeah, because I feel like they played several, and then that horrible uniform game, right? Was it yeah. Like blue against that horrible yellow. Can I? You ready for a trivia question? Yes. How many teams? How many schools has Michigan beaten in a bowl game since two thousand and two? How many separate universities? Yeah, since two thousand two. One, two, two, two. Yes. Florida, Florida, and Virginia Tech. Gobble, gobble. They have beaten Florida three times 
in bowl games since 2002. <laughs> so, yeah, so they play them all the time. And that's a lot. Uh, they've only have, yeah, three wins again and one win against Virginia Tech. Four bowl wins since uh, 2002. That's pretty wild. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. So, you guys are hearing this siren outside right Chicago. now. Chicago. That's, that's, uh, Am I Somebody right? coming from Michigan fans' hearts as they listen to this. Holiday Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> Northwestern takes on Utah. Northwestern, pumped to be here. Yeah. Uh, two um, ch- championship game losers <laughs> in Northwestern Utah facing off uh, December 31st. Um, right after our game, by the way. Uh, let's see. Utah seven-point favorite. Feels right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know which way to slice this one. Um, if the good Northwestern shows up, I don't see any reason they can't win. Dude, Northwestern is about to finish with like an 8-6 and six record. I don't like saying it out loud. 8-6? and six? It's upsetting. Haven't seen the likes of that since Wisconsin did it. 8-6? and six? Yeah, I remember. It's not even a record you should be able to attain. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wisconsin did it back in the day when... Uh, Ohio State was on probation or whatever. Oh, right, yeah. yes. So, Outback Bowl. In, like, the most... Oh, boy. These two teams are each other's, like, brother. Yeah. In a different Cousin. conference. Iowa-Mississippi State. Klanga. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State about a touchdown fave in this one. Yeah. This, I like Iowa. I was going to say, this feels like an Iowa game. Uh, I know Mississippi State... You know, played a bunch of good teams close, and they have a I mean, the fighting Montez Sweats. They got a couple. Um, Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, both borderline first-round picks right now on the defensive line. So if there's any school in the country that can combat that with a great offensive line, though, it's it's Iowa. Um, Iowa flashed really pretty brightly in the moments that they flashed. But they're just, you know, it's funny because you think of them as just, as just that baseline 8-4. and four, Which is what they did. But... Right, of course it is. It's a year. It's a year in time. Of course they went in for. But they also like I just feel like they had really high highs and really low lows. What were the highs? I mean, I don't they know. They didn't beat anybody. They mm. literally lost to everyone that mattered. They beat Iowa State 13 to 3 in the most Iowa Iowa State game of all time ever. They lost the only games that mattered. They somehow lost to Wisconsin bad at Penn State. Yeah, maybe cool. I'm wrong. At Purdue and then Northwestern Okay, so they're not good. So Super maybe, bad. So actually, they're definitely going to lose it. No, you know what? It would be Iowa of them to win. Exactly. Yeah. Now okay. you're getting it. Yeah, okay. All right, whatever. Moving on Next. to the Citrus Bowl, Penn State takes on a rejuvenated Kentucky team on the come up. Yeah. So Penn State, disappointing year. Kentucky feeling really good about being here. And Penn State is about a touchdown favorite in this one. I'm all over Kentucky. You think they're going to run all over them? I think it's the combination of... What we just to said. me in yeah in college football that really matters like do you want to be there like this is Trace you know, McSorley's swan song so okay fine got Trace McSorley McSorley also played yeah I mean yeah you're right that's a big deal that's definitely something I hadn't thought about and it depends if Josh Allen is playing for Kentucky their best defensive player I think he is because this is such a big but this is like okay cool Trey it's Trace McSorley's last game this is Kentucky's football's biggest game it's true ever. It's true. Legitimately, like maybe, very, of, very maybe of all time. Well, they, I know they're yeah. going to struggle to score. Uh, they're not a great scoring offense. Benny Snell's a freaking beast. They're running, running back. back. Uh, 
and we saw Penn State struggle to run, stop uh, running attacks a few different times this year. So it'll be that's an interesting one for me. I'm probably on Kentucky only because I think that you know Penn State definitely has the experience. They got the quarterback. Kentucky does not have the quarterback, but Kentucky. I don't know if it's like it's it's a gut feel they want to be there okay. more than anybody else. Final six and a half is a big line. It may have moved. Ohio State, Washington, and the Rose Bowl, mm. uh, two conference champions taking on. And right now, Ohio State's uh, up. I think over a touchdown favor. I'm hammering Ohio State in this one. Yeah, Dwayne's just gonna ball. I mean, I think Haskins is out there trying to have his trying to get audition, drafted, dog. Yeah, trying to have that audition. This is Urban's, you know, swan song with the Buckeyes. I think I'm with you. The players really do actually like him a lot, and uh, even though he's a bad guy, he doesn't seem like a great dude. He's definitely not a good person. But um, and also, I just don't think Washington's very good. <laughs> well, simply put, I just don't think they're that good. Okay, like, so I mean, um, I'm. Yes, as we always say on this podcast, everyone is bad. Every, well, yeah. So let's something to baseline this. Everyone that we just described has a bad football team. Mm-hmm. You literally every team we just talked except about. for Alabama and Clemson and Georgia. Yep. Prior. Yep. Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah. Nope. I'll even say Oklahoma. No, is net we bad. just decided. I was how just saying bad. they're net bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's close. It's We're, like point one. Yeah. But they're net. Still bad. bad. Uh, so Ohio State hammering on this one. Here's a prop bet for you. Mm. Yeah, you know, we're we're gonna talk, we're, guys. We're gonna talk Michigan State Oregon next week. Yeah, that's getting its own pod. So we're gonna talk. Do not fret at length, but you know, bef- without giving away, you know what we think here. There are nine, uh, yeah, nine Big Ten bowl games this year. Over under, uh, four and a half Big Ten wins. Oof, boy, I don't remember what I just picked. So this is even really, better. Truly, even better. Truly winging it. Well, find them. Well, look at them. Find them. Find your wins. One, two, Who do you feel? Well, this is we're only talking about eight right now, though. Well, we're then, talking about MSU. Yes, yeah, so you don't have to give it away, but find your wins. Uh, I mean, I think Minnesota. Okay. I, I well, here talk about our locks. Locks. Teams that I think over sixty six percent, more than two thirds. You like Ohio State. Win. I like Ohio State. I like Michigan. I like Wisconsin. There's and then For you sure. got to go find you know. I got to find two more. Two yeah. more. I think. Between Penn State, Iowa, and Northwestern, I think you get a win. Yep. One of the three. And then we're talking us. Purdue and us. Yeah. I'll take my chances and say over, but I'm saying five. You know, I'm hoping. between Because I think between that last group of five, you can find two wins. And I think my three hit. Well, I, I'm a, I'm a... There's really no surefire losses in there, in my opinion. Oh, there's one for Well, me. one. Purdue, I think Purdue's a surefire loss. No, 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 no. No? I am a... Um... Minnesota? No, 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 no. I, I am a huge fan of recency, and uh, the Big Ten went eight and one last year, and I have no reason to believe they won't do it again. With <laughs> Michigan losing to Florida, oh, Uh-oh. and going eight and one, one more time. Yeah, and then we're gonna make all the gifts, and we're gonna we're gonna ask crafty consumer on the Twitter.com yeah, to make fair, a Ross. ton of animated uh, gifs for us. We'll be laughing. All oh, the fun laugh. last year. Let's do that again. <laughs> so Michigan State um, taking on Oregon, uh, December thirty first. We got to make some uh, New Year's Eve plans, Austin. That's right. We got to get crazy here. We Ooh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. We'll so, be in Chicago. We the will two be of us, mm-hmm. joined, I believe, by P- special guests. Potentially one of the Sarahs from everybody's favorite edition. Pot- hopefully both. Hopefully I don't know. both. We don't know. Um, 
one of these bars, uh, a Michigan State bar, will be hosting us. We're we're gonna figure out which one. We're gonna have so many diet coors and diet mm-hmm. high lives. We're gonna have a lot of malort, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's gonna get fun. Well, you weird. remember the new year is entirely up to you. And we're but... just gonna take you know this is the slippery slope right into the evening of December thirty first. Right. Yeah. It, it it it'll be really fun and maybe dangerous oh yes okay. for sure friend so get excited about that let we'll, us know we'll figure out a location and if you're in the chicago area drop us a line um yeah, let's party so folks it was a pleasure enjoy the next two michigan state uh basketball games ideally stress-free mm-hmm. probably the last two gimmies the rest of the year because i don't think bucker's on the schedule anymore oh could be wrong you just had to end on that note um, Sorry, Bucker. Well, guys, I hope, again, uh, for John, this is Austin. I hope everybody has a, a lovely holiday. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. You know, we we appreciate you very much. Um, and, uh, yeah, for John, this has been Austin, and we will catch you guys uh, after Christmas. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.